Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Exurga Deus Dissipentur in Amicius, et Fugianchio Derentaeum a Facheus. Let God arise, and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangel, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidiaans diaboli est opraesidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas de precamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignosque ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum de trude. <coughs> Amen. Mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolusa Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine ostende facium tuum et salvi animus. Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio est. Nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Dear family, I realized actually when I got the message from a listener today that we talk about preparations, like getting stuff and getting your emergency foods, making sure you have enough water and this, that, and the other. But we don't talk about, I guess you could call it a a spirit of preparedness. I don't want to get too ooky with the with the terms, but a um, but a preparedness mentality. The one of the things <clears throat> that you probably notice is that when really big things happen in your life, um, when emergencies arise, or you know, as you may have even noticed it with the with the recent troubles in Ukraine and Russia, the things get really tense. You know, you start seeing, you're like, oh, okay, the banks are doing this, or, you know, a storm came through, or, you know, any number of things. Any number of things. Um, the day I found out I was under investigation... And was looking at a, and was looking at a pretty high likelihood of a court martial. <clears throat> Intellectually, I understood that my entire 
world was over. Everything was done. And it, it was so large that if it could be said that I was pushed beyond despair, it was one of those things that, that in that moment, it was so big, it was such a disaster, it was so catastrophic, I didn't know how. I mean, it was like actually standing standing at the bottom of the ocean as the tsunami wave kind of passed over you. You knew it was big. You knew it was destructive. You knew the world was over. But you just couldn't comprehend it. And it would actually be some days before it would finally begin to settle. And then actually the despair kicked in. It was like I knew there should be despair. I knew things were going wrong. I knew everything was basically a disaster. But it was so large that my brain couldn't comprehend it. And that's... I guess that's normal. You get hit with shock. And take some time. (laughs) Take... Took some time... For it to settle in before the panic actually settled in. But every last one of us kind of feels that foreboding, you know, is it going to, are we going to wake up tomorrow and find out that the country's at war? Are you going to wake up tomorrow and find out that whole cities have been destroyed because, you know, our leaders are too stupid to keep us from falling into a nuclear war? What's that going to mean? What's it going to do? What drastic things are going to change? How many more drastic things are going to change? I mean, if you think about it, gas prices, I think, I was mentioning in the last podcast that they'd gone up by like 20 cents in a day. And since then, they've gone up another 20 cents. I mean, day by day, 20 cents a day. That is a that is a tremendously huge rate, <clears throat> and it's gonna and it's gonna yank everything else up with it. In a month, if we continue at this pace, will you be able to buy food, put gas in your car, still be able to even afford to go to work? <clears throat> you kind of have that intellectual understanding. That it very much seems like the powers that shouldn't be don't really care whether or not you can go to work or not. And of course they wouldn't. I mean, they just, I mean, let's be real. They just talked the whole world into staying home for two years. Well, with all of these big things, it's easy to not... It's easy to be so overwhelmed, so taken aback, so panicked... I mean, like, you get that sense of foreboding and eventually your body just, like, you start to feel like your chest is tight all the time, your blood pressure seems to be higher, you're tenser, you may be a little more curt with the people around you. That's normal. It's natural. But we are Catholic, aren't we? 
And many of us know we should be preparing. You got to get that generator. You got to get, you know, you want to get that uh, that water purification unit. You want to get the water pump for the well, or, you know, you want to get that modification to your transportation, or you want to make sure that you get the, you know, you get the water heater or the solar panels or, you know, the food storage or they get like it just, and all of the things that you want to do just start to stack up and stack up and stack up. And you know that you got to, you know, you, you got to get, you got to get topsoil for the garden and you got to figure out how to get, you know, the window, the window panes and all that stuff for the greenhouse. And you got and you have all of these things that start to stack up and all of a sudden it just starts to overwhelm and the kids and, and the kids are still, you know, being homeschooled or, or you're trying to figure out, you know, is it going to be feasible for you to be able to bring them home for, for homeschool? And, you know, is it possible for your husband to get a job closer to home or is it possible for you to actually work and do the things given what's what's inbound is it possible that you and your wife are going to be able to split the duties the way a husband and a wife should you know all of those things start to stack up and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger or it feels like it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and that's really the trick of it is that it feels like it's getting bigger it's not When you're dealing with a difficult task, and the more difficult the task, the more important it is to arrange everything where you can see it. You want to get what you have, your resources, you kind of want to get them on a piece of paper so you can see them. You want to figure out what your what your objective is. What are the major changes that you want to make your life make to your life, to your life or to your lifestyle? You know, maybe you're getting ready to move from the city out into the countryside, and you've got to you know you've got to build a barn, and you want to or you need you know to have some kind of shed put up, and you want to get some animals, and you want to do the like maybe you have all of these things, these major changes that you're getting ready to make. It gets overwhelming. You're stepping out into the unknown. And that's really the key part of it is no matter what it is that's happening, you're stepping into the unknown. And that's what causes the turmoil. Are you going to be able to take that step out into the darkness, even though it's not necessarily darkness? You you simply know you can't perceive it. It may as well be darkness. Are you going to be able to make that step? Are you going to be able to take that step out onto the water, onto the Sea of Galilee? Are you going to be able to walk by faith? Are you going to be able to achieve the goal? It's that uncertainty that causes us stress. And for the well-prepared mentally, which is to say those people who have developed sort of a habit of preparedness, it seems like all of that stuff washes off of them like water off a duck's back. It seem, you, you'll find that they never seem to be bothered. Or if they are bothered, like it's just this brief, like brief moments of consternation as they try to figure out where whatever, you know, however this whole thing fits. And I guess it's not a spirit of preparedness. It's a habit of preparedness. <clears throat> in, in the army, one of the common metaphors for planning is to put those things is to put the things that you're trying to do 
all of the things that you need to do. They need to be set out at specific ranges. So you have your 50 meter target, which is your close target. That's your imminent threat. That's this has to happen now. You've got your 100 meter target, which is still imminent, but it's not as imminent as the 50 meter target. And then you have your 300 meter target, which is your lowest threat. And the idea is, is that you have your immediate target, the things that have to happen now, those are your 50 meter targets, your 100 meter targets. And you can, and mind you, you can go 50, 75, 100, 150, 175, 200, 250, um, 275. Those are like, however, whatever, however detailed you want to set, settle the plan. I generally just use 50, uh, three stages, 50, 100, 300, um, because it'll all basically kind of fit. And you know, you know the things that are, you know, they're probably going to take you longer, that are bigger purchases, that are major moves, um, or I should say things that you can see way out that you know you're eventually going to have to get to, but you don't have to get to now. Your 50 meter target is what has to happen right now. So I have a new piece of property. And we have a well. And I know that things are going to get rough. I mean, I may not get the opportunity later, but I know I need a water pump now. And ideally, given the circumstances of everything that's going on in the world, I would like to have a water pump that I know is going to last 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Now, if I can, and the water pump is my only concern, then I'm going to lean into it and I'm going to go ahead and get the, I'm going to get the really durable one. The one that I know that once we put it in, I may not have to look at it, you know, until the children are, are out of the house and, and married and, and starting families of their own. You know, one pump, you know, the, the immediate pump might be a couple hundred dollars. The, the really good long-term, long-lasting pump might be a few thousand well, if it's my only concern, then I'm going to go ahead and get the I'm going to go ahead and get the big water pump. I'm going to get the good water pump. Why not? I pull the trigger now, and I don't need it until and and it'll it'll last me, and I don't have to worry about it. But if I'm living in a new piece of property and I need a water pump, and I need and we're trying to set up a garden, and we're trying to get you know set up a piece of uh, a section of, of the property for chickens. And, you know, we've also, you know, maybe got a plumbing problem in the house um, or we've got to sit, you know, make sure that we've got firewood collected for, for, you know, that can season over the course of the year. So we have it ready for next year. Um, and maybe, you know, the, the roof needs patching and we still have to put together food storage and, you know, and, and there's a long list. Then you set up the things that you need in the course of time that you need them. So the water pump is obviously, I mean, no water, no drink, no, no bathing, no like, okay. So water is the imminent. So, okay, cool. We're good. So we need a water pump. We have a choice between the new water, between, you know, a cheap water pump that'll get us through in right now. And we have a water pump that we know we can last for a while. If we get the one that we have right now, then we can go ahead and procure the building materials to build the chicken coop, and we can and we'll still be and we'll still be able 
to you know get some fresh topsoil fertilizer and seed so that we can also start the garden because we also want the garden to start as early as possible so that we can begin to draw in the dividend you know to, to reap the dividends from that you know planting planting herbs or whatever 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 it is the setup is now the water pump is it stays here here's where things go if something happens to the roof the roof now takes the priority because the roof is an imminent shelter but it does not outrank the water pump because you can patch because you can do some cheap patches to a roof you still absolutely need the water the 50 meter target remains the water pump an emergency pops up the emergency might be the new 50 meter target and that's fine it may take some it may deplete some of the resources that you need for your 100 200 300 meter targets but if you know that something happening is a 50 meter target and you have to have that thing done right now knowing that your other concerns are the 100 200 300 meter targets you know okay this isn't good we had the emergency but we still stay on track now all of this is predicated on something that in the army we call the commander's intent and the commander's intent is what your core mission is given a particular aspect so I'm living in New York City. I know I need to move my family out of New York City and we need to get established. I need to get, preferably and we need to like we need to get them to a community. We need to get to a community where we're around like-minded people, where we can get to know our neighbors and know that our neighbors are more than likely Catholic or at least it's small enough town where you can get to know everybody and everything will be fine and it's you know the kids can integrate into the community and we can we know that we can thrive well the commander's intent would read something like relocate the family for a healthier life for a more catholic life for the sake of their salvation that would be the commander's intent you need to relocate and you want and you're doing it for the salvation of your family's souls so that they can have the environment that'll be conducive to faith and morals and continuing the traditions conducive so that your children can thrive so that you so that you and your wife don't you know can make sure to provide for them so that you can love your wife and that your wife and that your wife the, you and your wife can work together as a team <clears throat> etc right so relocate for the salvation of the of my family of course keeping in mind the salvation this is capital s salvation this isn't just saving yourself from you know some petty little economic collapse because again you're catholic most of everything that falls in the commander's intent 
is going to be based on prudential judgment. But if you know what your mission objective is, what it is that you're looking to achieve, what is it that you want on the other side of this thing for yourself, for your family? You have to put that in, you have to get that into place first. You have to know, you know, you can't just say, okay, I want to get, you know, I'm living in Philadelphia and we really need to get out of here and we just need to get away from the city and whatever, right? Okay, well, you know, you need to get away from the city. But what are you willing to do? There's more to it. I'm trying to get away from the city. I know I'm going to be selling my house or this out of the other, just packing up and going. Going where? Going to what? What's the end goal? Do you want a self-sufficient family? Do you want to make sure that your kids... See, because mind you, one of these objectives is like your your objective what the end what the end state of this looks like it's going to it's going to adapt over time there are things that god's going to confront you with that you're going to be like oh well i'm obviously not going to be able to do that or oh here's a new opportunity that might actually work a little bit better but if you know what the overall objective is you know more than just well i'm trying to get to heaven okay cool What does that look like for you and your family? What are your priorities in that? See, we can talk, we can talk about a lot of things. They're all really lofty. We can talk about how, you know, we want our family, we want ourselves and our families, we want to get to heaven. Okay, well, what does that look like? Do I want to have 12 kids and offer at least three three of them to priesthood, to priesthood and religious life? then I need to know that ahead of time. It's the same principles of planning. You know, if I wanted to to found my own company and become the greatest supplier of the Greek-born widget, whatever a Greek-born widget would be, but the greatest supplier of a Greek-born widget because I believe that Greek-born widgets are the way of the future or whatever... then I would have to look and see what it is that I need to be to to begin to develop the supply. What is it that I'm going to need in order to be able to develop the transportation? What is it that I'm going to need in order to get the word out so that people know that in their lives they need a Greek-born widget? I have to know all of those things. And so I have to so in general The first thing you're going to have to figure out is you're going to have to figure out the things that you don't know. What's going to be involved in getting a mortgage on a house? What's going to be involved in homeschooling? Do I need to be an expert in all of these fields I'm trying to teach my children? Or do I need to be, or do I need to have a a grounded understanding in the liberal arts so that I can help them walk through or whatever? Like, but what do I need to know? How much is it going to cost us? in food and figuring out all of these things and kind and remembering that all of these things that you need to put together they help you develop the picture so the more detail that you can add to it the things that the more things that you can add to it when you know what your resources are what you have 
you can start to formulate a plan. But the first thing that you have to do is you have to ask yourself questions. What is it that we want this to look like in the end? What is the actual intent here? Are we just moving from point A to point B? Or are we trying to establish something? If we're trying to establish something, what is that something? And then once we know what that something is, what do we need? What do we need? What do we need to know? If you, need, if, you know, if you know the things that you don't know, meaning, I've never tended a garden before, so what do I need to know? Well, who can you go to ask? Of course, you can always download stuff on YouTube, but, I mean, let's be real, sometimes YouTube's crazy. So I need to go, so I, so I wanted to build, I want to build a garden. I've never done gardening before. And it's true. I've actually, I've never, like, I kind of know you put the seeds in the ground and you water the seeds and this, that, and the other. But, you know, the details are, <clears throat> you know, what the weather's supposed to look like, how long something's supposed to last. I, pff, yeah, ask somebody else because that's not me. You want to learn how to vaporize something? I can teach you how to vaporize something all day long. I can teach you how to vaporize things that don't even belong vaporized. It's beautiful. Gardening, maybe not my bag. I don't even know. I've never tried it. But here's what I do know. If somewhere within two hours, two hour drive, I can find a nursery. You know, someplace that sells seeds and baby trees and flowers and pots and gardening supplies or whatever. If there's somewhere within two hours that I can find that's a nursery, obviously closer to me would be better. But you start there. Maybe not going to Home Depot and working in the and, and checking out the garden center because they'll have some stuff for you, but a nursery is actually going to be much more in depth. Because Home Depot, they've got a bunch of I mean, let's be real, the people that work at Home Depot are great people. But Maybe the guy just got into, you know, just got switched over to the garden department. So maybe you don't go to him. Whereas if you go to a nursery, the nursery is only a garden department. Department. So if I really want to learn about some, and particularly, nurseries are where people who do more than just, you know, growing some marigolds at home. You want to grow some marigolds, you want to, you know, maybe some, you know, maybe some tulips or this, that, and the other. Maybe you go to the garden center at Home Depot. You want to build a greenhouse. You go to a nursery. You go to the most specialized shop that you can go to. If there's, if there's a botanical gardens or something like that in your area, you would go there. And there you can at least get the, and there you can get the advice of the things that you're going to need. You know, do I need a particular type of fertilizer? Am I going to need to get topsoil? Am I going to have to buy this? Am I going to need to get that? How do I run the plumbing? How do I do this, that, and the other? All of those questions can be easily answered by someone who runs a nursery because they've done it before and they've done it large scale.
Let's say I want to build a garage. I could go to Home Depot. And I'm not hating on Home Depot. Um, but if I can find a someplace that does, that specializes in carpentry. I need to go there. Because here's the thing. Now, granted, when it comes to the carpentry, if you really, if you really want to do this on your own, um, you know, then you have to know that they're going to try and sell you their services. But when you're there, they can help you figure out what's best based on, you know, I want to build a garage. Well, how many cars? What do you need to fit in there? Do you need to fit one car and a bunch of toys? Are you using this as a workshop? All of those considerations can help you plan out the project early on. And they're all very important considerations. And they could be as simple as, hey, we're building it. I want to, you know, start gardening and start, you know, start a home garden. Or, you know, sheep. We're going to start raising cattle. What do I need to know? Well, you might want to go, you know, to a veterinarian. Or someplace. But the bottom line is, is that when you're trying to figure all of the... <clears throat> look. I can give you examples ad infinitum. And I realized that I was starting to spin my wheels on that one. The bottom line is, is that whatever your project is that you're trying to do, whatever it is that your objective is, there is somebody there who has an ex there's somebody out there who has an expertise. It doesn't matter if you're installing a toilet or you're building a ranch. Somebody out there has the expertise. And they're always going to be willing to help people. There's a reason why people do things, why they, why they become experts in particular avenues. And it's because they're enthusiastic about it. And if they're enthusiastic about it, it's not like you have to worry about looking like a, you don't have to worry about looking like a dumbass. Because if you're genuinely interested in whatever it is that their expertise is, they're going to be genuinely enthusiastic about helping you out because their enthusiasm, they would op obviously, they would like to, to make it your enthusiasm. I will tell you, if you ever want to learn about explosives, well, I can't say that out loud. Yes, I can. You can, I will be more than happy to teach you some few of the tricks of the trade, things that you never think of. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to send you the anarchist cookbook over email, but just, you know, some considerations, some things to kind of expand the horizon. I love to make things explode. Okay. I also love to build things. So if you ever want to learn about building aircraft or cool things about jet engines, all sorts of nifty ways to build turbines at home. Oh, we could talk about that all day long. I didn't become an aircraft, I didn't become an airplane mechanic because, oh, hey, well, you know, it's a nice side job. No, I love airplanes. I can probably teach you a whole bunch about designing and building airplanes that you would have never imagined. 
And I'm a little bit unique because most aircraft, like the vast majority of aircraft mechanics, don't have an engineering background to them, too. But if I told you that you could actually find a way to make jet fuel out of turmeric, which is, by the way, what happens when you combine expertises like explosives and... Oh, what does turmeric have to do with explosives? Well, that's another story. But the bottom line is, is that you can find ways to build, you can find ways to combine your expertises to do all sorts of nifty new things. It's one of my favorite things about be, about developing these sorts of expertise, especially in practical, practical affairs. I digress because it was fun, but the point is, in the same way that I could tell, in the same way that I could tell you and teach you stuff about build, you know, designing and building airplanes. And yes, it would be a whirlwind for like the first two minutes. And then I'd stop and I would break it down. This, you need this, and then you need this, and then you need this. Exactly the same way you need a 50 meter target, a 100 meter target, and a 300 meter target. It's cross applicable. Your 50 meter target when starting a new, any new endeavor is find out what you need to know. Not go find out, you know, the details, this, that, and the other. No, find out what it is, is the category, what it is that the category of expertise is that you need to know. So if you've never built a shed, carpentry is definitely on the list. If you want to make sure it goes in the right spot, then something, then talking to somebody to find out exactly what your ground looks like and how to, you know, set up the foundation or whatever, that's going to be on the list. What do I need for insulation? What do I need for this or that or the other? What are the big things that you need? All of those things, all of those things that you need to know in order to pursue the objective those are always going to be your 50 meter target. Now there's some stuff that's a priority. Do I need to know exactly how to how to set the angles of this that or the other so that the skylight gets the perfect amount of sun and illuminates this amount of floor? No. No. No, but if but if I need to know about building regulations and I because I'm about to put a a shed on my property, I might need to know that. And sometimes you're not going to get the building regulations you want. I've recently discovered that the type of house that I would dream of ad infinitum, um, you'll never get building regulations for because sustainable housing, like legitimately sustainable housing, oftentimes comes from the weirdest places. And I recently discovered that there's a possible that there there are ways there are ways to do things that are remarkably awesome. And sometimes you have to defy convention. So this type of dream house, so this type of house will be my dream house because it's literally the sort of house that you can retire in and you can and you will actually just spend your days tending to the things around the house because the things around the house will include your garden and your farm 
and making sure you got, you know, right about enough water and just kind of keeping an eye on your resources. It's magnificent. Will I get there? No idea. One step at a time. When you get into the habit of setting everything in order, first off, you're going to notice that as whatever it is that you're trying to tackle, as you get to see what it is, you know, what your assets are, what your liabilities are, you kind of put, you know, because you want to put, you want to set up, okay, this is the overall objective. I need to take care of this immediately. These can probably wait a little bit. This is a bigger one. I don't get a choice. It's going to have to wait because I'm, you know, it may be more important, but it's, you know, it's easier to spend $50 than $1,000. <clears> so some things are going to be prioritized based on what it is that you can take care of now. You want to try and accomplish the, the immediate and the short and the easy objectives that get you step by step there. The, <clears throat> you know, actually kind of like Dave Ramsey. If I've got a credit card that I owe $10,000 on, I've got a credit card that I owe $5,000 on, and I got a credit card that I owe $2,000 on, then what I want to do is I want to pay off the $2,000 credit card first, because that's probably going to be the higher interest one that's that's dragging down. And so if I can pay off the $2,000 one first, then I can focus and, and shift over to the $5,000 one. And when I'm done with the $5,000 one, shift to the $10,000 one. And by focusing on the easier easier targets to hit it makes it easier because what because usually what's happening is you got all these small debts that are crippling that are that are just kind of cutting at you like paper cuts and so you're dying by a thousand paper cuts and so that big fifty hundred thousand dollar debt that you're trying to pay down is next to impossible so of course you start with you know if you got the three hundred dollar credit card pay that joker off and get rid of it you got the thousand dollar credit card pay that joker off and get rid of it you know, and then as you, and you work your way up, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to spread yourself out into 16 minimum balance payments. What you want to do is you want to pay off the small card and pay that joker off as fast as possible and then build. And, and, and of course, as you're, you know, as you're, instead of, if you're paying $30 a month on five cards, well, if you shift over, if you focus and you pay $100 a month on the one card when it's paid off, then you take that $100 and then you add it to the $30 on the other card. And then you add, and then when you're done paying that one off, you take that 130 and add it to the $30 on the other card. So now you're paying 160 and you're able by 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 keeping your budget basically at the same level, as you continue to chisel away these debts, you're actually able to chisel them away faster and faster and faster. It's the same concept, financially speaking, as it is in trying to figure out what you're working on big picture. Like, I'm making this major change in my life. Well, if I can hit all of the 50 meter targets, once all of the 50 meter targets are down, then I can focus my attention to the 100 meter targets. Once all the 100 meter targets are down, then I can shift focus and go to the 300 meter targets. And maybe the 300 meter target takes a while. Maybe while I'm working on that 300 meter target, another 50 meter target pops up. Well, once you get to the point where you're at your 300 meter targets, your 50 meter target pops up and you go boom, 
boom, knock that joker down, move on to the next one. But if you know where your lines are, these are the 50 meter targets. You know, if the power goes out and I absolutely need a generator, do I need a two, do, do I need a $10,000 five kilowatt generator? No. I can probably get by with a $500 or $600 one kilowatt generator. Eventually, do I want a five kilowatt generator? Maybe. But if I know, but if I know that I absolutely need a generator, it doesn't have to be the best generator. It's got to be good enough. Which adds, which actually brings us to the next principle. As soon as your plan is good enough, pull the trigger. You don't have to wait for the perfect plan. There's a reason why they say the best, the best laid plans have gone a glaive. Okay. <clears throat> well, the best laid plans of mice and men have gone a glaive. There's a reason why perfect plans often go wrong. Because first off, you waited to try to get them to be where they were absolutely perfect. Okay. This is actually where scrupulo scrupulosity will kill you. It does not have to be a perfect plan. It has to be good enough. First, it's never going to be a perfect plan because we're not God. Second, it's not going to be a perfect plan because the perfect plan, the most perfect plan goes to crap the minute the first bullet's fired. I can have the greatest battle plan ever conceived in the history of humankind and that battle plan is going right down the toilet as soon as the first shot is fired. Whereas a good enough plan is a plan where everybody understands the commander's intent and you just move out. You ideally want to do X, Y, and Z in a particular order, but if a nuclear bomb drops on X and somebody crashes into Y, you might find yourself skipping up to Z. That's just the way things are. As soon as the plan is good enough, pull the trigger and execute. It doesn't have to be perfect. A good enough plan, one, it's better than the perfect plan because the perfect plan will go to crap as soon, like, as, if, I'm not even joking, you get everything laid out, you get that beautiful, the perfect plan is like a house of cards. You get everything stacked up, it looks beautiful, it's perfect, and then somebody opens the door and sends a gust of wind across the room and the whole house of cards comes tumbling down. You don't want that. First off, you don't want to be doing that with a house with, with cards anyway. A good enough plan is like building with Lincoln Logs. They're not going to look perfect. It's not. You know, the logs are going to be a little bit misshapen here and there. You're going to be working with imperfect pieces. Maybe the dog got his, got his nasty little jaws on one of the pieces. Like, it's more like building with Lincoln Logs. But as soon as, but as, soon as you've got that thing looking like it's going to support... And everything kind of kind of looks basically okay. What's not going to happen is they, <laughs> Lincoln Logs are surprisingly sturdy. Like you would have to overturn the entire table. So a gust of wind or maybe somebody bumping into the table isn't going to knock it down. You probably have to flip the coffee table that it's built on. And that's where the difference comes into play. Your good enough plans are the plans 
where it's like, okay, if this doesn't go perfect, cool, we can shift a little left, a little right. Maybe I forgot to calculate the tax. Maybe there's shipping costs I wasn't accounting for. Good enough allows you that flexibility. The last and most important thing, it's actually the thing that I should put first. But in reality, you know, most people like you're usually you just want to jump to, well, what do I need to know? What do I have to do? How do I how do I manage to get all of this stuff in order? So we always start with the 50, 100, 300 meter target principle first. Then we go, okay, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good enough. And the last thing, and this is by far the most vital. I call it the commander's intent because in the military, there's one commander. But we don't live in the military. And so the commander's intent is the shared objective of the family. Now, the kids get a little bit of input in this, but this is a husband-wife thing. If you're trying to put this plan together and you don't have your spouse fully on board, and you don't have them at least convinced that they can back you in this objective, in this, you know, in pushing in this direction, you're going to fail. There's nothing you can do. Okay? So at some point, you sit down and you say, hey, we got to work this out. And you grab a piece of paper or you grab that notebook paper that you've been frantically scribbling on and trying to get all of this stuff worked out. And you sit down and you work it out and you talk about it. Two reasons for this. First, they need to know what the commander's intent is. Otherwise, you're going to be spinning your wheels. You're going to get a whole lot of extra frustration because they don't know what you're trying to do. Or they may disagree or whatever. But you sit down and you say, hey, this is what I'm looking at. This is what I think where I think we need to go. This is what we have to do. And then the spouse, because this can actually come from... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Either the, either the husband or the wife. This is what I'm looking to do. This is where I think the priorities should be. The spouse, if it's the husband and you're a traditional Catholic then the husband should be giving final approval to this as the, spa- as the wife lays it out. Why? It's his authority. If it's the wife, guess what? Fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum. She has to give consent. Same way Our Lady did. You don't have that. It's not going to work. Second thing, huge principle. Your spouse guarantees has a different point of view from you. They may see things you miss. They will likely see things you miss. I have seen even husband-wife pairs where it would seem like one of them is totally obtuse to where they were trying to go and that person who has absolutely no expertise, no knowledge, no nothing, can look and go, well, what about this? And it's not to shoot holes in the plan, or shouldn't be to shoot holes in the plan. Honestly, if your spouse is doing that to shoot holes in your plan, then you really probably, um, you need to haul their ass to confession. Uh, because, yeah, no, that's not what you want. But I've, <clears throat> the two perspectives, this actually holds true also if you've got kids too, because your kids might notice something too. But, The two perspectives guarantee, one, both of y'all will basically be on the same wavelength, the same page. You guys may have slightly different executions about it, but if you both know where you want to go and you both know the things that you have to do to get there, it is far easier for the two of you to cooperate to get there. If you're both headed in the same direction and you know it, then guaranteed, one of you is not going to suddenly take the right turn at Memphis and end up way off in the distance. The last thing, and this is actually particularly important if you have kids, doesn't matter if they're four or if they're 14. You want to involve them in this according to their, uh, you know, their mental, their intellectual capacity. You want them to understand why. 
okay? There are, there are, in the military, we have we have what's called, well, in, in the Army in particular, I don't know if it's quite the same way across the Department of Defense, but there's, a, but there's a five paragraph operations order. And it goes, mission, objective, A units, B units, supply and logistics. What it is that you're doing, why it is that you're doing it. Who's doing what? What does this mean? Well, dad's working for this. Mom's pushing for this. I need your help with this. If you can do those, this is what we're trying to do as a family. This is why we're trying to do it as a family. Dad's doing this. Mom's doing this. Your brother's doing this. Your sister's doing this. I need you to do this. If you explain it in those terms, yes, they might still get, you know, uppity as kids. But if they don't know what it is that you're supposed to be doing, what it is that you want the family to do, why you want it for the family, what the final objective is for the family. Hey, we're, hey, we're moving, we're moving to the state of Nebraska. Why? Well, because in your, in your, in your little brother's class, a fourth grader stabbed one of his fellow kindergarten students. So we're getting the heck out of here. Okay. Well, that's kind of obvious. So dad's doing this and he's going to be preparing that mom's doing this and she's going to be preparing that your older brother's going to be doing this. Your older sister's going to be doing that. I need you to do this and I need your baby brother to do this or baby sister or whatever. If you need something that looks like this, ask mom. If it looks like this, ask dad. If you need this, ask your brother. When you set out all of the instructions like that, everything, it doesn't matter if you're having, like no joke. Hey, we're cleaning the house this weekend. So I need you to clean your room, your brother to clean his room, your sister to clean her room, and then your sister's going to be doing these chores and you're going to be doing these chores and your brother's going to be doing those chores. And when everything's done, we're going to go out, we're going to go out and have family night or whatever. 100% of the time, if you give all of your instructions in that format, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This, these are the tasks for each of the people around you. This is your piece. First off, this does one thing in that it lets people know that, that they're not alone. That they're not just doing this thing because dad or mom or whatever, or whoever. It doesn't really even matter who. You can, you can use this exact same function at your job. Like you can use this exact same format when you're explaining stuff. At, at your job. And it makes life a whole lot easier because here's what happens. If I know what Ken is doing and Ken knows what I'm doing and we both know what Jake is doing and Jake and, and all of us know what Sarah's doing and Bill is running, is running this part of the operation and, and Susan is over on, you know, being part of the parish count. I'm kidding. Um, the, huh, and Susan's overrunning this part of the operation, then all of us as a team, we know what each of us has to do. 
And it is now no longer me versus whoever's giving me the instruction, especially if it's a crappy task, like, you know, like cleaning toilets or whatever. But I mean, if I know what we are all doing as a team, where our sections are, one, I can, I can, I feel, and this is a feeling thing. This is not an intellectual thing. I, as a member of this team, feel like I know what it means to be part of the team, and I'll be able to tell, and who knows, because, I mean, this will also give you a chance to get your kids to, to find out which one of your kids is the tattletale. <clears throat> but I know that if I'm pulling my weight and so-and-so is not pulling their weight, then we know what's going on. It becomes very easy to see, and in particular, if everybody knows what everybody's supposed to be doing, then when somebody is slacking off... You can look at him and be like, why are you slacking off? And this is especially important for kids. It is easy for parents to forget that kids need to know why they're doing something. I don't understand. It's practically a meme where it's like, well, we're going to the we're going to we're going to the store. Why? Because we need to get some milk. Why? Because, well, you have this, that, or the other. Why? 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 You know. You know it to be true. If you've ever had a toddler, you know exactly you know exactly what I'm talking about. By by giving the instruction and in, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it, and this is your part, and this is so-and-so's part, and this is so-and-so's part and outlining what everybody's doing, you answer all of those questions. And any of the other questions that come out, why did why does John get to why does John get to do this? Why don't I get to do that? Well, why don't you get to do that? You can answer those questions. Would you like to do that because we can switch it out or maybe the two of you can work on it together or whatever. By putting it like that, by, by, set, by setting it in that format, you can handle all of those issues, all of those things that would normally come up. And in so doing, because mom and dad are responsible for the direction of the family, you can let them know there is a plan in place. And so your stress doesn't become their stress. And your family becomes more than just a family and, well, we just say, well, we're family. It becomes a unit, a team. The other part is as you're doing the planning, from time to time, you want to involve your children in the planning. And it's not so that they can determine what kind of ice cream we have when we're moving across the country. It is, although, you know, that may be in there. Um... It is specifically so that they can see mom and dad work the big situations out together. They're going to, like the first few times, they're going to stay quiet about it anyway. First couple times that you actually sit your children down for the plan, they're going to stay quiet about it anyway. But if you get into the habit of doing this, then you will get their participation. And by getting their participation, you will be teaching them how to do this so that when their turn comes to run the family, 
to be the leaders. They can. And that's how you create children who can weather anything. You don't hide from them. Oh, we got to do this, that, or the other. You don't make the decision. There's no such thing as a grown-up decision that doesn't in- include your children. Now, does it obviously doesn't mean that the kids get some kind of veto power. But if you make all of those decisions, you set all of those plans in place, you work, you set out the plan to break it down so that your whole family is operating as one team, you get them in the habit of doing that. I guarantee you, they will take all of the hardest tasks that you have ever endeavored, and those will be the memory. I'm not even joking. All of the most difficult things that you've ever done in life, it doesn't make any sense. The things that caused you stress and turmoil and pain, those will be the things they remember. Those will be the building blocks of their character. So if you can get them involved early, say maybe six or seven years old, at least, if not five, if you can, obviously, like I wasn't involved in the move when, when, my, when my family decided to move us from New York to Colorado back when I was five. At age six, when I started understanding, I was started, I was like, why did we come out here? They were open about it. As early as possible, you want to get your kids involved. The sooner you get them involved in these in these things, the sooner you get them in the habit of doing those things, the stronger they'll be for longer. You reduce the likelihood that they're that they will. I'm not even joking because a lot of this stuff. I mean, it seems ridiculous, but I mean, you can apply all of this stuff to dating. Or schooling or whatever. I mean, this is this is one of those things. This is one of those core things that if you can get this in place with your family, you can your family can actually apply this in any direction for whatever it is, no matter how frivolous. You going to Disneyland because again, it's the good enough plan. The good enough plan might end up working out exactly like a National Lampoon Christmas Vacation movie. It might suffer, like, (laughs) Clark Griswold knew exactly what he wanted out of the Christmas. And yes, there are times when it's all going to go awry just like that. But it's going to be legendary in your family. It's going to be the things that they remember. The hardships that you undertake are the building blocks to everything that they love about their lives. And if you look back, you'll know it's true because you know that's exactly how your character was built. The hardships that you endured were exactly the building blocks that made everything that you loved about your life. We all know this to be true. I mean, it's kind of, in, it, it's ingrained in Catholicism. It's one of the reasons why we're, you know, talk about suffering gladly. All of these things come together. 
Know what it is that you intend to do. Put together the goal. Figure out what it is that you want and why. Once you figure out, once you figure that out, set your goals. Your 50 meter targets, the things that must be done now. Your 100 meter targets, the things that need to be done soon or are the bigger things that, you know, that you have to build up to. And your 300 meter targets, which are the, which is all of your stuff that can wait or the really really big movement that needs to be that needs to be done but you have to prepare for. That's short-term, mid-term, long-term goals. At, or, uh, let's see, STG, MTG, and LTG, as, uh, as my friend Milan would put it. Your 50, 100, and 300 meter targets. Put the plan together, good enough. As soon as it's good enough, pull the trigger. Don't hesitate. Sometimes it takes you, like it'll take you some time figuring figuring out exactly what it is that you want to do. What is that new commander's intent? What is that new main mission objective? It may take you weeks to figure that out. I spend weeks figuring out, you know, noodling over, you know, am I going to buy this or that? Because it'll give me enough time to make sure that my guardian angel get can get involved or that God can get involved. Because I might, you know, hey, I really want to do this. Well, if you get too in a rush, you're going to miss something important. And so I'll usually spend two to three days minimum. And I've been known to spend at least a month contemplating major decisions. Nothing. Nothing. Late at night. There is never a decision I make late at night. And there is never a decision I make when I'm in emotional distress angst or exhausted if i'm angry distressed or exhausted no those are the decisions that you that you go to bed you wake up in the morning you have a cup of coffee you go out on the porch and you smoke your cigarette or you smoke your pipe or whatever or you know if if it's you know you go to bed you wake up in the morning you have a nice cup of tea you look out at the sunrise and then you make the decision with fresh eyes. You never make a decision under under duress, ever. You will always make the wrong decision or the least right decision. So there's no need to rush because if you're getting ready to make a major change in your life, believe me, it'll still be there tomorrow. You don't have to do it right now. Now, if you've been planning something now, and I do need to separate this out. If you've been planning on making a major change for three to four weeks, five to six days, a month, there is a huge difference between making a snap, a, 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 an irrational snap decision. And if the opportunity strikes, For example, it's June of 2020, or it's coming up on June of 2020. It's like late late April, early May 2020. My lease is coming up. I know I'm going to have to make a major change. I'm trying to find some place to live. I'm trying to find all of these other things. 
and a text message comes down one day from a job that from, from you know from my indeed resume or whatever the text message says hey we have a we have a job opportunity out here in montana well that's interesting tell me more yeah you'll be doing this for this type of aircraft company doing this work how much is it going to pay? I'm, <clears throat> all right, well, I need at least this amount of pay. Well, you're going to get this amount of pay, which is higher. And we're going to cover medical, dental, vision. All right, well, I need something to kind of counterbalance the moving expense because I have $0 in the bank account. We can provide you with X amount of dollars to move as a, as a sign on, as a sign on relocation bonus. I was making $22 an hour at the time. The new salary was $28, $28 an hour. I'd ask for 25 because I knew that I, because I knew that I would be able to cover all my bills with 25. <clears throat> The job was in Montana, so it was time to move. In total, I spent $2,600 moving. Probably would be significantly higher now. But I spent $2,600 moving. I um, took out loans, ran up the credit cards. I got $1,200 back as that relocation signing bonus, and it would turn out that within three days, three, four days, I would have some place to stay, a storage unit for, for a goodly portion of my stuff. I would have the job, the place to stay, everything set up, and I was making enough money weekly that in that it only took me six weeks to pay off the $2,300 in debt. Six weeks to pay off $2,600 in debt. And that included first and last month's rent and the whole, I mean, it included the whole kit and caboodle, everything. From when I got the notification on Thursday to when I was done packing up the van and leaving was four days. Four days. If you know that you're waiting for something, when the opportunity falls into your lap, you because you've already been preparing and you knew all of the other things that you... Like, if you... If you've already been preparing and you've kind of been setting all of those things aside, then as soon as the opportunity happens, it could require a huge, massive movement of resources. But if you've been making the preparation to make that transition, when the opportunity happens, you can pull the trigger and it looks like it happens like that. And all of a sudden, new location, new world, new job, new this, new that, or the other. It looks 
like you pulled a rabbit out of the hat. It looks almost like a magic trick. If you know what the intent is, what your 50, 100, and 300 meter targets are, when the opportunity comes in and you can fire one bullet and knock down all of the targets from your short, medium, and long-term goals, you'll recognize it because you know what's supposed to happen. You know what you're working towards. And occasionally, God will give you that magic bullet that will fire right down range and take out every target along the way. And on the other side of it, a day and a half, two days later, you're in a completely new spot. Almost like you teleported. And you can hit the ground running. You ever see those people who look like they succeed with ease? Like all of a sudden they just come out of their behind, like they're just like, hey, I have this idea. And then a week later, you know, they're the CEO at some multinational tech conglomerate. I mean, you hear the stories that seem to have, like those rags to riches stories or those, those stories that seem like it was an impossible miracle. And you kind of know that, you know, God doesn't really work those kind of miracles <clears throat> because, you know, it's very temporal, very materialistic. Those miracles, now we're using miracles in quotation marks, those miracles come from preparedness. If you are already ready, when the opportunity arises, when you get that perfect pitch, you can swing the bat and hit that ball right out of the park. But it takes readiness. And you are only ready if you have those, if you have your intent, your motivation, and your team, meaning your family, all on board. If they all know this is where we're headed, then when the opportunity happens, you come home, you say, you say, honey, kids, guess what happened? We are leaving. Everything that we were talking about doing, we can do it right now. And you'll have that house packed up in a day. But you have to have your intent. What is the objective? As long as you keep that in front of you, when the circumstances line up and you've already laid out your 50, 100, 300 meter targets, when the circumstances line up, if you get that golden opportunity and they do happen, they happen very regularly. This is not the lightning strike that people think it is. It only looks like the lightning strike because the opportunity only, because the actual person or family that is actually prepared for it is one in a million. One in a million are actually prepared for that opportunity to strike. So when it hits, boom, everybody can go and like a and and like te magic teleportation. You go from where you were to where you wanted to be. And I can tell you, it's a heck of a confidence builder too, when you are ready for God to open the door. Last principle.
you can put together all the plans that you want. But it's God's will as to the timing, as to the execution, and as to whether or not you're going to be able to do it. All of that preparation, all of those things that I've said, they are absolutely true. You can you can actually just fit those in the responsibilities that you need to that you need to fulfill as a human being, as 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 a human being created in the image and likeness of God. All of those things, the understanding the intent, the setting up your short, mid, and long-term goals, all of those things are your basic responsibilities. After you have done all of that. It is up to God to open the door. It's God's will. In my life, my life has actually looked fairly magical from, from a specific point of view, particularly when it's, you know, it's when I managed to put my head, when I put my, when I put my head to something and I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. The, the, most of my family and friends, they never see the preparation that goes in. But the moment the lightning strikes, it looks like lightning. I've been preparing, typically, usually for most people, a lot of people don't realize that I prepare for a lot of things for weeks and months. There are things that I prepare for for years. I don't talk about them because they're not everybody's business. But when I shift my goals, when I say, okay, I'm headed in this direction, usually it's usually it's right about that time. It's like, okay, now is about the time that I need to get right, that I need to start preparing to make this change. And what ends up happening is it looks like lightning strikes and I go from where I was a few hundred leagues to where I am. And it almost, I'm not even joking. From a situational point of view, it actually looks like from, and I've had most of my family and friends say this, it looks like I go from, you know, it, it's almost like teleportation. You know, I went from, I came out of prison and this is actually the key thing is like considering the fact that when I got out of prison, most, I mean, you know how most people, most people suffer when they're, when they're coming out of prison. It's practically a meme. I mean, it's something like they're stereotyped. These things are stereotypes for a reason. But I knew what I had to do when I got boots on the ground. I had to recover actually at the time because I was popping out someplace where I was um, 5,000 miles away from where all my stuff was. All of my stuff. Had to get my documentation. Once I got my documentation, then I needed to actually get my resume together. Once I got my resume together, then I needed to actually start moving. Like, And I knew piece by piece by piece. So two weeks, well, I filed for the paperwork to get all of my documentation so I could get my new driver's license, social security card, all that other stuff, like actually get that stuff. Um, and needed to get my, like I had to get my birth certificate and all that other stuff. So I filed, I think within 24 hours, I'd already sent that paperwork up. It took about two weeks for all that stuff to come down so I can get my driver's license and all that. I got my driver's license and all that. Once I had all of that together, particularly, actually, most importantly, I needed the social security card. You know how that goes. <clears throat> Once I had all that together, 
Then it was get the car up and running. Got the car up and running. Got it registered, got all, got all of that stuff laid out. Then it was get the job. So that over the course of three weeks, the car that I'd had in storage for five years got it up and running, got all my documentation, and four weeks later, I had a job. Once I had everything lined up, I got moving. A few weeks after that, April, May, no, two, two, three months after, by the close, of, by the close of three months, I got a job. I was a member of the Knights of Columbus. I was an active member of my parish. <clears throat> and this wasn't like huge, hugely dedicated. Like literally, a lot of the things it was, it was okay. Well, I mean, the church is right there, so I'm going to church. I mean, that was easy. But becoming a member of the Knights of Columbus, I mean, that fell in my lap. A couple of weeks later, uh, or a couple of months later. I got a phone call because I was looking because I was still because I had a job, but I obviously was looking for something better. And the and the offer came in, fell into my lap to go to aviation maintenance school. Put together the documentation and pulled the trigger. Went to school. Graduated, got my first AMP job, got my second AMP job. Within three years, I was on my feet, out of the house, on my own. I had family to support me. This is actually, and a lot, my family actually tends to forget that they did a huge amount to support me. But my mother now, four years later looks at what happened looks at where I'm at and marvels because what happened and getting to where I'm at doesn't just happen people don't just magically do all of that she saw the hand of God in my life because she would see, actually, she barely ever actually saw the plans because, I mean, it was just me. She barely ever saw those plans. What she would see is I would come down one day and I would say a thing and then two weeks later I was doing that thing. And it almost looked like I moved the entire world, well, not I moved. She understood that God was moving these things out, of, like moving all of these things. And then there were things that were serendipitous. You know, my lease is coming up and then boom, lightning strikes. Hey, here's a new opportunity. Come to Montana. But it had mostly to do with the fact that I was always ready. I knew what the intent was. I know what my objective is. And so whether I'm trying to prepare for a nuclear apocalypse, which I am, just in case, on the off chance, on the off chance that these people prove to be as dumb as they've proven to be so far, yes, I am preparing for a nuclear apocalypse, and I'm doing it in the exact same way that I've told you about in this episode. 
There are things I know I need to have. There are things I know I don't need. There are things I know I don't really have to worry about because when the time comes, I'm just going to pull the trigger and we're going to get it. And that's just it. I'm generally not ever stressed. I get annoyed about stuff, obviously. You see you see the way they handle stuff. It, it's such a far cry from the way I handle things. It's such a far cry from the way I look at things. I can't help but get frustrated. But in my day-to-day life, <laughs> so a friend of mine at work was talking about how he notices everybody seems to get rubbed the wrong way, this, that, and the other. And then he points to me at the end of the table and he's like, except you, and that's creepy. It's not a magic trick. Everything I, t- everything I, everything I spoke about in this podcast, I do on a daily basis. This is my entire way of life. It takes practice. You think I just got here? I started down this path, particularly with what I just talked with, with just what I talked about in this podcast. This started in 1997. In this codified form, it started in 1997. A version of it goes as far back. I think I was 12. Oh, no, I know I was 12 because of a Civil Air Patrol. It goes as far back as age 12. This year, I'll be turning 43. It takes practice. Sometimes you got to remember, like, there are big things that happen, and you look and you go, I don't even know how to handle this. What do I do? Where's my... But... Once I've answered the question, what is my intent? What is the commander's intent? What is the objective? As soon as I have that answer, I know what to do next. How do I get there? How do I get my family there? How do I get my church there? How do I get my mechanics there? You reformat your whole life and you get into that habit. But remember that it is a habit. You're not going to go from overwhelmed and crazy to got it all set in a day. For the people who are not used to doing that, if you can, like, I'm not even joking. As you master that habit, as you put it into practice day in and day out, they will notice Because you will seem like you never stress out. They'll notice. And maybe they'll follow you. And maybe not. Maybe you don't want them following you. You never know. (laughs) But as with all things, you spend time and you look at it. You discern. Also, 
If you're doing this for the first time, you're going to get arrogant about it and you're going to fall. And that's okay too. When you fall, add it to the tool bag, add it to the list of things that you check for. And we're all human to err is human. But you're going to think that you got it. You're going to th- like, I'm not joking. You're going to think that you got it. And you're going to, and you're going to pull the trigger and you're going to go to execute something. And it is going to explode. Don't sweat it. it. Happens to everybody. Just take what you learned and apply it to next time. There is nothing to fear. More than anything, and this is actually, so this is kind of the key thing. Everything that I said was basically the methodology used for St. Peter to walk on water out to Christ when Christ called him out of the boat when he was walking on water. St. Peter knew what the objective was. He wanted to get to Christ. You keep your eyes on your objective. You keep your eyes on Christ. And the storms cannot toss you. They cannot sink you. It is both a a miraculous lesson and it is a lesson about one of the core fundamentals of Christian living. You keep your eyes on the objective. Always. You can't be sunk. It won't. It cannot happen. Eyes on Christ. Eyes on the objective. Do that and you can't lose. Orient your whole life in that direction and you can't lose. It's fundamental to our being. It's part of us. It's woven into the nature. Whatever you focus on, that's where your objective lies. So if your eyes are on Christ, your eyes are on your next objective, your eyes are on your long-term goal, your eyes are whatever it is that you intend to do. So, commander's intent, get to heaven as a saint. As a friend of Christ, well, what do I have to do? 50 meter, 100 meter, 300 meter targets. What do I have to achieve to become a friend of Christ? It's the same principle. And you never take your eyes off the prize. Period. And if you get the opportunity at martyrdom and it's the quick trip, you are already ready. It's the same process. You might say that's how you cooperate with God's will. I'm sure I left something out. If you can think of something or any other questions, go ahead and email me, Caleb at RadioFreeCatholic.com. Like I said, I'm sure I left something out. But I wanted to cover something because this is actually this is actually for MJ who sent me the message today. Trying to figure out, you know, all of these things was absolutely overwhelmed with everything. I mean, just kind of you looking at you're looking out at the looking out at the world and seeing all that other stuff and then, you know, looking at okay, got debts and this and that and the other. It was just overwhelmed. And I'm glad I'm glad that I got the message from MJ because it gave me an opportunity 
to hit something that we don't ever hit. We talk about preparing. We talk about things that you need to get. We talk about what you have to, you know, line up. But what was missing from all of those podcasts talking about, you know, you want to get this or that or the other was how do I lay those objectives out? How do I put all that together so that this is actually a plan? Because right now it's just a mess. It's Russia and Ukraine and Our Lady of Fatima and prophecy. It's our government flushing our rights down the toilet and locking us up and shutting down our bank accounts. It's all like it's all of these big grand things. So how do we put it in order so that we're not overwhelmed? And I real and 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 MJ reminded me that that was missing in the podcast. And it's one of the serv- it's part of like it's one of my reasons for running, for having the podcast. You might call it one of the raison d'etre. The reason for the existence of Radio Free Catholic. So MJ, thank you. I'm praying for you and your family. As with all things, pray for the church, pray for the nation, and pray for us in Catholic social media so that we can continue to light the path and show you the truth. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.